Now, uh, today's scripture reading is taken from Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 9, and will be read all the way to the end of the book. Um, Before we read, let us pray together. Creator God, all wise and gracious, by your Spirit, give us the eyes to see, ears to hear, and minds to conceive your living word today. Please help Jonathan faithfully and clearly preach what has been written that Christ may be proclaimed and we conformed more into his image. We pray all these things for Christ's sake. Amen. Um, starting from chapter, nine verse, uh, chap- uh, chapter 11, verse 9. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, and whatever your eyes see, but know that all, for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the streets are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when the people rise up at the sound of birds but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and and of dangers in the streets, When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no no longer is stirred, then people people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bow is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the wheel and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returned to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goats. They are collected sayings, like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study, where is the body? Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Jonathan, and I'm a French minister at CISAC. Well, do you know what? Two weeks ago, I led my first funeral service. It, it was absolutely heartbreaking. After a terrible motorbike accident in the Melbourne area, a young guy was taken to, to hospital and put in an induced coma. When his family arrived to see him, there was nothing they could do but say goodbye 
to the 29 year old son. 29. 29. This 29, 29 year old son whose, whose life support was eventually turned off. We live in a world where time controls us. Remember, that's what we saw last week. Time controls us in the sense that time is a merciless and a ruthless master. It makes us do things we don't want to do, but we do anyway. Why? Because we've got no choice. That's what we saw last week. Remember, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. There is a time for everything. And a season for every activity under the heavens. And it's sometimes dreadful. It is sometimes beautiful indeed. But it's sometimes dreadful. Because there is a time to die. A time to weep. A time to mourn. A time to hate. And even a time to kill. There is indeed a time to turn off a life support machine. For someone you love. Or to put to sleep a pet, a cat or a dog, because the vet cannot do anything for it. Isn't that dreadful? Dreadful? And that's what makes life meaningless. Time makes life meaningless. Look at what the teacher, Ecclesiastes, the preacher says at the beginning of his book. Meaningless, meaningless, or vanity, vanity, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaninglessness. Meaningless, meaninglessness is a bit like the breath of your mouth. If you try to catch it, what happens? You can try. doesn't work. <laughs> Why? Because everything is fleeting. Everything is fragile. Everything is futile. Your breath evaporates, vanishes, disappears. It doesn't last. That's what meaninglessness is all about. One day, we will all die. And you see, that's what makes life meaningless. Death makes life ultimately meaningless because what's the point of living if we are going to die tomorrow? What's the point? So life is not only meaningless because of a tyranny of time, but also the tyranny of death. My friends, death is not your friend. Death is not a friend. Death is a terrible enemy, I'm sorry. It's the last enemy for Christians, but it's a terrible enemy. It's just not the end of a natural process. The Bible says that death is the wage of a consequence of, of sin. What the Bible calls sin, our rejection of God's authority, our desire to be God in the place of God. And that's pretty serious because if I say I'm God, and if there is a God, who will be God at the end of the day? Who will be God? That's, that, that's pretty serious. Don't take death lightly. It's not a friend. It's a terrible enemy. And it makes life meaningless. So if we die, it's because in our foolishness, we've decided to cut ourselves off from the giver and the creator of life. That's what happens when you cut yourself off from the creator of life. What happens? Well, you die. 
That's why we live in such a terrible world, because we decided to cut ourselves off from our creator and the giver of life. And we think, oh, this is funny. This is a terrible world. And we, everybody's dying. Well, of course it is. We've rejected God. What do you expect? But there's good news. There's good news. So please, stay with us. There's amazing news. The amazing news is that our relationship with God can be restored. Isn't that amazing? Our relationship with God can be restored. We can live and face death, not anxiously, but peacefully. Would you like to do that? Live and face death, not anxiously, not knowing what will happen, but peacefully, knowing exactly what will happen, or at least who will be, you will be with. And that's what I'd like to see with us, I'd like to see with you this morning. First of all, from um, uh, verse 9 to 10 in chapter 11, rejoice, rejoice. Secondly, chapter 12, 1 to 8, remember your creator. And lastly, lastly, rely on the words of a shepherd. Rejoice, remember, rely. Is it to remember? Rejoice, remember, rely. Let's look at chapter 11, verse 9 and 10 together. You who are young, most of you today, be happy while you're young, and let your heart give you joys in the days of your youth. Verse 9. So if you're young like me, you know what you do. You know what to do, don't you? Rejoice, yes. Absolutely. Be happy, content, satisfied with what you have and what you know. And what do you know from the book of Ecclesiastes? Well, let me remind us, chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. What we know in the book of Ecclesiastes is that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, to eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. Now, why? Because this is the gift of, of God. Everything, all these things, are a gift of God. So rejoice. What we know also is that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work. Because that is their lot. So if you have a work, enjoy your work. It can be hard and frustrating sometimes, but I hope you enjoy it. Because this is, this is your lot. This is the part which has been given to you by a gracious God. What we know, what we know, sorry, is that we should go eat our food with gladness and drink our wine with, jo- with joyful heart. What a delight for a Frenchman. For God has already approved what you do. Drink your wine with a joyful heart. Eat your food with gladness. All this is a gift of God. Rejoice. With moderation, of course, and thanksgiving. And what you know if you're married this morning is that you should enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. All the days of his meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. For this is your lot in life. And your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. So husbands, can I encourage you to love your wife as Christ loved the church? Rejoice, rejoice, and enjoy because in the context of food and drinks, especially, 
Listen to what the, old, the New Testament says. Everything God created is, is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. And please, with moderation, of course. So yes, yes, life is hard. I agree. Yes. Yes, as Thomas Hobbes, uh, a famous British philosopher says, life is nasty, brutish, and short. Yes, I agree. Yes, ev everything evaporates, vanishes, and disappears. Yes. Yes, everything is fl fleeting, uh, futile, fragile, and frustrating. Yes. Yes, there is a time for everything, and it's sometimes absolutely dreadful. Yes, but... Let's face it, and let's accept it. I think the key is to accept it, because life is a gift from God. So rejoice and enjoy the simple joys of life when you go out with your friends for coffee, for a drink, for lunch, for dinner. When you go for a walk with your, with your spouse in the streets of Melbourne or in one of the beautiful parks we've got here. Rejoice when you go to the foot of a cricket, the big bash is coming. With your kids at the MCG, what a joy. I've never been to an MCG, I'd love to take my kids one day. Or you can invite me if you've got a membership. Rejoice when you spend Christmas with your family, especially people you haven't seen for some time. Just rejoice. Enjoy the turkey. Enjoy the ham. Enjoy. This is good stuff. Make the most of it. You see, life is not just about saving money. And of course, saving money is very important. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Especially if you plan to buy a car or a house, please save money. Be, be very careful with how you, you, you manage money. And if you don't have enough money, well, don't live beyond your means. I mean, be wise with the money you, you have. But if the Lord, if the Lord blessed you with a good job, And I'm so glad if he did. With a good income, and, and praise God, praise God, don't deprive yourself from the simple joys of life. You see, life is also about rejoicing in what the Lord gave you. Don't deprive yourself from all this good stuff. Enjoy the simple joys of life. And look at verse 9. The teacher insists, follow the way of your heart, and whatever you eyes see. But look at verse 10. But banish anxiety. We could say banish vexation or frustration from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. And we could translate that part, put away evil from your body. For youth and vigor are meaningless. I think there is a deep moral dimension hidden in these verses. And I think what the teacher is saying is, yes, of course, rejoice, go for it, make the most of it. But accept, accept the fact that youth is fleeting and stay away from evil. That's the best way to be free from the disappointments and the frustration of his life. And the do, 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 Does that make sense? I think what the teacher is saying, please enjoy life, but accept that this life is meaningless, another son, in a way. That youth is fleeting, it doesn't last. Accept it. And that's the key. That's the key to, to, to make the most of life and to be free from being frustrated 
and disappointed at this life and of a son. You know that I love uh, Derek Kidner, one uh, of my favorite Old Testament British scholar. Listen to what he says about this passage. This is beautiful. Joy was created to dance with goodness, not alone. Isn't that beautifully said? Joy was created to dance with goodness, not alone. Yes, be joyful, but do what is good at the same time. Do what is good and right in God's eyes. Life is, is beautiful, but it's also dutiful. And look at the conclusion, which we will cover now, of the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. Easy to remember. 12, 13, 14. Now, all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. In other words, and we'll say that, live for him and trust him. Keep his commandments. For this is the, the what? The duty, yeah. The duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Do you see what the teacher is saying? Yes, enjoy life, rejoice. But you know what? God will bring everything into judgment. Don't, don't, don't mess with him. Do, do what is good in his eyes. So yes, we have a right to do anything. But not everything is beneficial. Not everything is constructive. That's what the New, Test New Testament says. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. And this is how Paul uh, the author of the letter concludes his, his chapter 10. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for what? The glory of God. Yes. Do it for him. Be responsible and wise and do what is right in God's eyes while rejoicing in all the good things he's given you. So rejoice. Go for it. Rejoice. Secondly, remember, look at verse 1 and 8 of the last chapter of Ecclesiastes. Remember your creator, chapter 12, verse 1 and 8. In these verses, we've got a beautiful, or a very poetic at least, description of a physical decay of life. And when people are called to remember God in the Bible, I think it goes uh, beyond, you see, this kind of duty of remembrance we've got, uh, never to forget or less to forget, which is quite important, don't get me wrong, especially in Australia and even in Europe, we, we, we usually do that, and it's a good thing to do. But to remember God is to commit to living for him and considering our greatest joy. I'd like to do a bit of an experiment with you this morning. Uh, we're going to listen and you'll be able to read a, a verse from the Psalms, two verse, verses actually from the Psalms. And this verse is from an Old Testament believer who is in exile in the 6th century before Christ. And what I would like us to do is to try to find the, the parallel, the correlation, the link between remembrance and joy. Are you ready to do that? Let's try. Psalm 137 verse 4 and 6. 
How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in the foreign lands? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Can you see the link between remembrance and joy in this verse? Did you see that? For a believer who has lost everything and who finds himself in a foreign land like a refugee in Europe or in Australia, to remember God is to, is to do what? To consider God. And in that context, the city of God, Jerusalem, his highest joy, far beyond the joy of his world. That's what it means, I think, to remember God, to make him your highest joy. Is God your highest joy this morning? Is he really? So yes, rejoice and enjoy the simple joys of life. But remember, please, please, I beg you, remember. Remember your creator. Because all these joys are a gift from him. And one day, one day, verse 14, the very last verse of Ecclesiastes, one day, God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. So yes, rejoice, but remember, because one day you will die. We will die. And this is where we've got this picture of a body decaying. Look at verse 1 with me. One day, the days of trouble will come, if they haven't already come. And you will find no pleasure in the joys of his world. Look at verse 2. One day, the sun and the light and the moon and the stars, everything that lights up your life, everything that brightens your life will grow dark. Whether it's AFL, cricket, coffee, TV, or chocolate. All this stuff will grow dark. One day, the keepers of a house will tremble and the strong men will stoop. Maybe your way of saying that our arms and our legs, do you know, will become a bit weak and we will have trouble walking. Look at the rest of the passage. One day, the grinder will cease because they are few. And those looking for the windows grow dim. Now, EJ, you might have an idea of what that might be. The grinders will become few. It might refer to our teeth. And our eyes will decline. The grinders will become few. Those looking for the windows grow dim. We might lose our teeth. Our eyesight might become a bit weaker. Look at the rest of the passage. One day, the doors of the streets will be closed, and the sound of grinding will fade. Maybe a reference to the loss of hearing. Sorry. What did you say? That was a joke, by the way. Thank you for, for laughing. One day we'll be afraid of falling when we walk at home or in the street because we, we walk slowly, because the almond tree will blossom and it might be a reference to gray hair and I, I'm starting to have gray hair maybe you, you can't see from me but I assure you I've got a few and the, drag, the grasshopper will drag itself along 
And I think this verse means that our sexual desire will no longer be stirred. The book of Ecclesiastes is very realistic about life. It's not a fairy tale. And that's what I love about this book. It faces up to reality. Anyway, one day, like a great house falling into ruin and disrespair, our physical body will decay and die. One day, as Derek Kidner puts it, one day, time will no longer heal. One day, time will kill. It will kill us. One day, we are going to kick the bucket. Death will break your life. It will. It will win, I'm sorry to say. Unless Jesus comes back before. It will break your life. It will break my life. This life which is so beautiful, but so fragile. Look at the, the, the rest of the passage. The silver cord. Something probably very beautiful, but very fragile. A silver cord. It will be cut. The golden ball. Probably very, very, very nice. Like, like maybe a china ball. But very fragile. It will be broken. One of the pitcher will be shattered. One day we'll return to the ground where we come from and go and to God who gives life and takes it away. So please rejoice, rejoice. Enjoy the simple joys of your life. But remember, please remember your creator. Commit yourself to him. Consider him your greatest joy. Become a Christian today if you're not a Christian already. Live for him, because life, life is a gift, a gift from him. One day, uh, Matthew Henry, a, um, a 7th century British uh, English uh, commentator, a pastor, was robbed by someone. And this is what he said afterwards. Listen to this. He prayed, Lord, I thank you, first of all, because I've never been robbed before. Secondly, because even if they took my purse, they didn't take my life. Thirdly, because even if they took everything, that wasn't much. And fourthly, because I'm the one who was stolen and who didn't steal. Isn't that a wonderful testimony? How did you react last time you were robbed? How did you react last time? You suffered an injustice. How did you react? How will you react next time you are robbed? Will you remember your creator? Will you consider him your, your greatest joy, your highest joy, your, your greatest treasure in the whole wide world, as Colin Buchanan sings it in one of his songs? Greatest treasure in, in life is indeed peace with God. So rejoice, remember your creator, and lastly, that's our last point today. Chapter 12, verse 9 to 11. Rely on the words of a shepherd. Rely on the words of a shepherd. Now, these verses can be very easily overlooked. They are just gold. I'm so excited to share with you what I found out by God's grace. So rejoice, but remember, that's the way of wisdom. That's the way to live in this world according to the teacher, okay? And now he's going to compare his words to what? Did you notice what he compares his words to in the passage? It's a strange word. To goats. Do you know what goats are? 
They are like sharp pointed sticks. There should be a picture for, for us to, to see. So basically the teacher compares his word to God's. Listen to this, chapter 12, verse 9 to 11. Besides being wise, the preacher of a teacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goats, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings, or embedded nails. They are given by one shepherd. Now, I don't know about you, but I find these verses absolutely mind-blowing. Do you see what the teacher is trying to do? By comparing his words to, to goats, to firmly embedded nails, words or nails we can cling or hold on to, the teacher is pointing, I think, to the greatest teacher, to the greatest master of all, to the Lord himself, who is not only wise, but also whose word is not only wise, but also upright and true. Did you see that? He's comparing his words to goats, okay? And he's basically saying that we can hang on, hold on tight to these words. Why? Why can, can, we, can, we, can we hold on tight to these words? Because they were given by who? Who was this word given by in the, in, in the passage? By one shepherd. By one sh We can trust what the Ecclesiastes says. Because these words are like nails or goat we can hang on to, cl cling to. Because they've been given by one shepherd. And as you know, who is the good shepherd in the Bible? Who is a good shepherd in the New Testament? Yeah, thank you for following with me. It's Christ, of course. Christ was the word of eternal life. Christ who says he is himself the way and the truth and the life. Isn't that amazing? I find this passage absolutely amazing. So if you want to live and survive in this world and face death peacefully and not anxiously, my friends, Jesus is your only hope. He is the shepherd on whose words you can rely. You can hang on to them. You can cling to them. You can trust him. Jesus is the good shepherd who gave his life for you. For his sheep. Who paid the price of our foolishness. Who died in our place and rose again. Conquering and defeating death. Which makes life so, so meaningless. So hold on to the nails of a shepherd. Hang on his every word. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, who will remember you when he comes into his kingdom, if you confess your sins and put your trust in him. Let's pray together to finish. Creator God, we thank you so much for the gift of life. May we rejoice in all the good things you've given us and enjoy them wisely, responsibly. We thank you that you are our creator and we do pray, Lord, that we would commit to living for you, 
and consider you our greatest and highest joy, far above the fleeting and passing joys of his world. We thank you lastly for Christ, whose word is upright and true. We pray that we will rely on his words, on what he said, and who he is to be safe, to live for him. We pray in his name. Amen.